Mary Morantz is the author of Slow Growth Equals Strong Roots, and today's conversation was genuinely like therapy for my soul. Mary shares her story of growing up in a trailer and working her way up to attending an Ivy League school and then receiving a multi-book book deal, and how none of that ended up satisfying the constant pressure that she places on herself to achieve. We discuss how this constant need to feel seen in our society prevents us from truly seeing others, how celebrating the wins of the people in our lives heals our own hearts, and how the desire to achieve or to do anything should always be rooted in a purposeful work for God's kingdom. I really enjoyed Mary's heart and authenticity, and it just felt like a conversation between two friends over a cup of coffee. So I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. Let's jump into today's conversation. We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. everyone. Welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. This is Lindsay, and today I am here with my guest, Mary Morantz, the author of Slow Growth Equals Strong Roots. And I want to start, Mary, if that's okay with you, with one of the prayers that I read in your book because it spoke to my soul this morning, and I'm just really excited about this conversation. Um, So first off, hey. (laughs) Hi. Thanks so much for having me, Lindsay, and I love starting there. Let's do it. Yes. Thanks for being here. So it says, God, thank you for all the different ways that you created us. Thank you for reminding us that some of us were simply wired with more drive and that is not wrong, but I pray that you will show us every day what it looks like to use that energy to push toward things that matter and not to put our faith in our own abilities or efforts. I pray that you will teach us to love and honor both good work and rest to take in these wide open spaces you have carved for us along the path. Help us to see how far we've come and to believe that we can let go and trust you with our progress. Release us from our self-imposed punishment of pushing, Lord. Help us to take our eyes off the mountains in front of us and keep them always fixed on you. Amen. That is Mm. so beautiful. And I am so drawn to two parts of this specifically. 
where you talk about being wired with more drive, because I would say mm-hmm. that is something that I resonate with and a lot of my audience resonates with, but also using that energy for a purpose. Um, yeah. I think that in our world right now with social media and with just everything, everyone has kind of become an influencer. Everyone mm-hmm. has kind of become focused on, I mean, elevating self or elevating a platform. Yeah. So can you speak to this? What what compelled you to write Slow Growth Equals Strong Roots and and how have you kind of experienced this in your own life? Yeah, you know, Lindsay Oman, I love all of this right off the bat. And I think <laughs> I think what's important for everyone listening to hear is that um it's one thing to be wired with ambition. And I would say that I am. I would say that mm-hmm. you are. I think we have that mm-hmm. in common, right? I think a yeah. lot of people listening probably have that in common. But there is this other side to that that we also have to really lean into where the there's the part of us that's wired that way, that was created that way, that's part of our, our God-given personality. And then there's, for some of us, there can be a part, as my hand is being raised, that is like a switch that got flipped, whether that's we didn't grow up with a lot or there's something muddy or shame-filled in our story mm. that it's almost for me, I, my first book dirt is sort of the sister, uh, twin sister, fraternal twin sister of this book. And, and that book I say is the love letter to the girl who grew up in the single wide trailer. Mm. And this book is the love letter to the girl after. And, um, when, when you don't grow up with a lot for me, a switch got flipped and I wanted people in dirt to know how primal and visceral and survival achieving can become when yeah. that switch gets flipped because it feels like that's how you get to safety. And in in Dirt, I describe it as like this girl in a red cape running from the big bad wolf. She knows if she stops, it just might kill her. Mm-hmm. But when she looks over her shoulder, breathless and wide-eyed, she finally sees it. She's the girl in the red cape, sure, but she's also the wolf. And it's mm-hmm. her voice who's telling her, you have to keep running. So in Slow oh, Growth, so I come back to that from the perspective of the wolf, which is one of my favorite parts in Slow Growth where we realize there's just a thorn in his paw and he's, he was born to protect the girl in the red cape. But I also describe that feeling as being like these firing neurons. And when I picture it, it's like a down power line shooting off these sparks where anybody who tries to get close to you gets burned. We just feel like we can't stop. Every It's like every raw nerve ending is exposed to the world and it's screaming, what are you doing resting? What are you doing stopping? And so I wanted to write Slow Growth because I've been doing the field research for all of us for the yeah. last, uh, it will be 42 years next week. Wow. And I have made my way from a trailer to Yale Law School to uh, a wildly successful photography business named A Legend of Light to now a five book deal as an author. And none of it silenced the screaming nerve yeah. endings. Mm-hmm. So we are at this place of at last exhausted. And I say that's what kicks off this book. Wow. That is so good. I am interested in your process kind of as you've, as you've seen those things you mentioned, growing up in a trailer, going to an Ivy League school, having so much offered to you. And it reminds me of actually – my husband and I talk a lot about this um, – there was an interview with Jim Carrey and Mm. he said like, I wish that everyone, I may have said this on the podcast before, but I, I wish everyone would get to that point that they think is the end all be all and realize that it's absolutely nothing and it's empty. 
Um, so for you, as you said, you you still got all of these things. You made it, right? In terms of the world, Mary has made it, mm-hmm. but the screaming hasn't stopped. So what does that look like for you in your relationship with Jesus? And how do you silence some of the noises coming from not only outside, but from inward as well? Mm, yeah. So uh, there's this part um, – it's in it's in the first book. It's in Dirt, where I say there's a reason we flip the channel when the underdog finally gets everything she ever wanted. Like mm. we don't want to spend time with people once they get everything they ever wanted. They become insufferable. They start using whom properly in a sentence. <laughs> Brady, take your football and go home. Like we're yeah. done with you. We're on to the next unlikely story. And I say, but what if success was where the real trouble began? Because what if you get everything you ever wanted only to realize you still feel like you have a hole in your heart? Mm-hmm. And so. For me, what it looks like and the reason this book, so this book, Lindsay, actually kicks off with a passage from the very end of Dirt. I thought the story was done. I thought the journey was done. Dirt is about making peace with your past. And then I turned that book in and God is like, cool, cool. We're halfway there, at Mm. least on this part of the journey. And um, I'm going to take that passage and it's going to birth a brand new journey because it's not enough to just make peace with the past if the past still holds your present prisoner. That's a lot of peace, yeah. um, but it's that's the truth. If you're still making decisions in your life, even though you're like, okay, I, I didn't grow up with a lot of peace with that, you're not really there if your present is still running from that, mm-hmm. if you're still being driven by that in that negative way. And so it, uh, that part kicks off and it says, at a certain point, breathless and at last exhausted, you double over in the pain of a lifetime spent proving You have spent your entire life going out into the world so far out only to find yourself back at the beginning. This one truth, always clawing, always dragging at your heels like the heavy chains you never asked to bear. No matter how hard you run, you can't outrun you. And so our inciting incident in this book is at last exhausted. And what I mean by that is to a certain extent, you have to have tried. You have to have tried and have failed to find your worth, to find your enoughness, to find your rest and your peace and your permission to stop running, your freedom to stop running from all these other accolades and gold stars and highlight reels. And if I compare it to kind of like eating a bag of marshmallows when you're starving, like that verse one day is pretty good because you're really, really hungry mm-hmm. and you keep going and you reach the end of that bag and you start to feel that sick feeling of I have consumed all of these empty hits of a sugary sweet high Mm -hmm. only to feel more hungry than before when you're if you're listening and you're hitting that point all of this stuff the world that tells you should matter it just feels like that sickly sweet feeling of eating too much sugar you're ready for this book and Mm -hmm. and you have to kind of have experienced it for yourself it's like burnout i can tell you all day you're going too fast you're doing too much you don't have systems you're going to burn out in your business and you'll say to me okay grandma you don't know how fast I am. You don't know how like how much hustle I have. Yeah. And you have to taste it for yourself. So mm-hmm. that's that's the first step is you actually have to see, man, maybe there is no amount of more that will ever make me stop feeling less than. And now you're ready to say at the foot of the cross, at the feet of Jesus, let me sit crisscross with him on the floor, tell him all the ways I've tried and failed to find belonging and let him put a cool hand on my forehead and say, that's okay. You just forgot who you were there for a little while. Yeah. Well, this is my therapy for today. Here, <laughs> <laughs> here, reaching to my soul. I I recently saw a video of a young girl, and it was on TikTok, and she was going to 
um, Paris. I don't know. She was going somewhere cool. And her sister was taking a video of her and said, my sister, my young, probably 16-year-old sister, left her phone at home to get the full experience of this trip. And the response was, I mean, millions of views, hundreds of thousands of comments, like I could never, Mm. I could never. And so I started evaluating why. Why is it that immediate response of like, oh my gosh, and why is it this – massive influx of people who are fascinated by this because there is a need to to show our lives or they don't count. They don't yeah. matter. There is a need to show our achievements or they don't count. And I've experienced this in my own life. You know, when I'm launching a course or when I'm launching something new, I'm actually the only one who knows how well or how poorly something has done. Yeah. But there is that fear instilled in me where I worry about the opinions of other people and my success. And Mm -hmm. while, as you're saying, that drives me more than anything, what drives me is my own discontentment a lot of the time, Mm -hmm. my own fear of failure, my Mm -hmm. own fear of disappointing those around me, even though they love me anyways, whether I'm successful or not. But I I forget to believe that sometimes. One thing that I have seen that that helps me to fight that urge to show my life or to fight that urge to appease people in my life with my successes is to rejoice with other people in their lives mm-hmm. and to be present with other people. Because what that girl was doing and leaving her phone at home that was so fascinating to the world is just choosing to be present with the people that she loved because at the end of her life, she's not going to be wishing that she had held more tightly to her phone or showed more pictures of her dinner in Paris, you know? Mm-hmm. She's going to long for that time with her parents or her siblings. And in the same way with our successes, you know, if we're able to celebrate the people around us and be present and love them and their accomplishments, we find so much more joy in our lives. And I think it's very humbling. So Mm -hmm. I want to talk about that with you, Mary, with rejoicing with those who rejoice when we struggle maybe to celebrate the wins of others, or we struggle when we see that girl doing something amazing that we're not Mm -hmm. doing. How do we damage ourselves and our relationships by by living that way. Imagine believing and experiencing the truth that marriage is a gift from God to be embraced, not a burden to endure. Most marriage problems, you guys, are not marriage problems. They are God problems and they are heart problems. Nobody walks down the aisle to say I do with a plan to have a mediocre, difficult marriage that ends in divorce. Divorce is painful and messy and hard. And God didn't call you to be a wife who fixes and fixes and exhausts herself with the efforts to make her husband better. Instead, he called you to be a love him wife. Did you know that 50% of marriages end in divorce? And in 2020, the top reported reasons for divorce were a lack of communication and an inability to resolve conflict. Ladies, have you equipped yourself properly? Would you wait until your entire house had burnt down before seeking help? It is more likely that if your house were on fire, as soon as you saw the spark of that first flame, you would be doing everything you could to fight it, to fix it, and to learn from it. 
it should be the same for your marriage. It's time to make a change. I am here to speak with you all about the Wife Project. Our society views marriage as disposable, but God's word calls us to so much more than that. The purpose of the Wife Project, which has already been purchased by hundreds and hundreds of women, is to challenge you to grow so deeply in your relationship with Jesus that it has no choice but to flow over into your marriage. I have received countless testimonials that God is using this course to actively change and transform very real marriages from the core. I'm offering eight video sessions that will address your root issues with biblical wisdom that will help to lead you to live the life with your husband that you always hoped for as soulmates rather than sharing life as roommates. The best part of this is that you will have lifetime access to the entire course. So if you can't listen to it or watch it right now, it will still be available to you in five, 10 or 15 years. And all of the videos and the Wife Project Journal will be easily accessible for you. The journal will include marriage challenges, scripture memory verses, and journal questions to begin working through the deep struggles of your marriage immediately. And I cannot wait to see what Jesus does in your faith and in your marriage through this course. Just visit my website, sparrowsandlily.com, or click the link in the show notes below or the link in my bio on Instagram at Living Easy with Lindsay for more information and to sign up for the waitlist. Yeah, well, first of all, Lindsay, I just want to like affirm and um, like like tell you you are not alone in that feeling of mm. the, of feeling as if everything we do is under the microscope and that there are all of these people real or imagined, uh, in, in our minds who are waiting on the sidelines, just waiting for us to yeah. fall on our yeah. faces. And in fact, I write about this. I want to read a very quick passage from it because it's one of the most mm, like raw nerve, I would say places in the book where I just, I'm like, we're really just going to talk about this. It's going to be yeah. good. Um, and I, I start off by saying like, do you want to know the first face I picture when something really good happens to me? It's not the face of my parents, if that's what you're thinking, a wistful, oh, won't they be so proud of me expression flooding across my features. It's not the face of my husband either or of my closest friends. It's not my business coach, my team, my friends twice removed on Facebook, or even the furry faces of my very fluffy dogs. <laughs> but it is also not the face of God that I see first. This image of him that I hold in my mind of a gentle, warm, glowing light, radiating a well-done, faithful servant stare, a silent utterance of express approval, shining down from the ether and lighting up a procession of cotton candy clouds on the horizon with these God loves the earth's magnificent rays. No, it's none of those. This is where you know, where we know you and I must be really deep now in this business of being honest and transparent with one another. Because the real honest, I wish I could take it back every time the second it happens, answer is that it is a series of faces that flash through my mind of every single person who has ever told me that I can't. It's every person who has ever underestimated me, counted me out, discounted what I was capable of, or left me out on purpose when they were making up the invitations. It's every person who's ever made me feel like an underdog in some 1980s John Hughes movie, simply by making it clear that I can't sit with them. And then I kind of bump over here, whether we realize it or not, every one of us is walking around with a filter when I picture this here, I like to imagine those trifocal Benjamin Franklin glasses Nick Cage wears in National Treasure. <laughs> we look through that shows us how we see the world, or maybe more to the point, it is a filter that shows us how we believe the world sees us. And basically it says, when the outcome is disappointing, when my name doesn't get called, when things are taking much longer than I had hoped, these are the faces I fill the front row with then too. 
Mm-hmm. I let them pull up a chair and scoot in nice and close all around me, their faces nearly pressed up against mine. I let them sneer at my setbacks and told you so all over my disappointments. The schadenfreude is practically palpable. You can feel it in the air tonight. When we give people real or imagined who aren't for us a front row seat to our lives, our happy times are cut in half and our sorrows are doubled by the mere scrutiny of their presence. Wow. Sorry, so that was good. a little longer than I No, than I that's so good, Mary. Yeah, but but yeah, that's that's a very real thing. And the fact is, you know, that this is the moment when a lot in a lot of conversations, someone will go, oh, people aren't thinking about you nearly as much as you think they are. And there's hmm. truth in that. But there's also truth that I know that at least in my life, and I'm sure in most people listening in your life, you know, there are people who are watching every clip, mm-hmm. they're watching each move, and they're not there for to cheer you on, right? It's yeah. not there for good reason. So it can feel like this pressure to only show strength, to only show wins. I think a lot of the reason we have seen social media become as curated and as highlight reel as it is, is because, first of all, nobody wants to be like, here are my messy days. Mm-hmm. But also because we know that there are people who would rejoice in that. Mm-hmm. And so to answer your question from a while ago, how do we how do we not lean into that? It is that answer of we don't treat people the way that they treat us, we treat them. We don't treat people how they are. We treat people how we are. And so we go out and we choose to be the one who's not just watching, passively stalking. You know, we're consuming each other's content like TV now instead of being social. Then we go out of our way to remember to say, that's a win. That's incredible. I'm clapping. I'm so excited for you. And to actually be speaking life into people because we never know how much there might be other people just sucking all the energy out of the room. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, that was, that was a very no. long answer. <laughs> no, it's a great answer. Please don't ever apologize for that. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just soaking it all in. And yeah, I, I agree with you. I feel that there is, it's interesting as you say that because there's some things I had to do even on social and I want to give freedom to people who feel like they need to do this, that there have been major critics in my life. And some people who were very close to me that I didn't expect to be the major critics, which tends yeah. to be the common theme. Um, yeah unfortunately. But but I had to do some, you know, moving things around on my social and, and muting and blocking or and giving myself the freedom to kind of create that as a space that was comfortable. And I recently just shared a video as we talk about the kind of showing the nitty gritty. I shared a video about my husband and I getting into one of the biggest fights of our marriage. And then yeah kind of waking up and realizing we have to take our kids to the zoo for a birthday party and we have to pretend Mm -hmm. everything is okay for, for the time being. We still address it and communicate. But the response to that was massive. And I did have that thought where I was like, you know, some people, I mean, the majority of the comments felt freedom from that. Mm -hmm. But then there were many that were like, you know, they had their, their, their trolls, (laughs) they had things to say, or, or they really, you know, were like, oh, wow. And, You need to post it for the world to see, or it makes me step back into a place where I'm like, I want to share the authentic, but I do not have very thick skin. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like there is freedom that comes with having the ability to, to share openly and widely about the things in your life. And I'm not even just speaking on social media. I know so many people listening don't have a platform, but within your life, because I think and tell me your thoughts on this, Mary, but I think that we have this idea that when we share our brokenness with a friend 
or a family member that they're going to think less of us or when yeah. we share our failures in our business. Like Jesse and I just found out we lost a ton of money in the stock market. And my immediate thought was like, shoot, I teach on money, <laughs> you know? But yeah. I'm sure there are tons of people who are walking through that same thing. And and I don't want to withhold the things that are are hard and the things that are broken and the successes maybe that I feel like I need to portray at, on a platter for people to to believe in me but instead it's that sharing the the raw and sharing the truth mm-hmm. is really what brings freedom in the relationship and and also within you to share that you know my motherhood isn't perfect my my business isn't perfect my marriage isn't perfect that it brings a sense of freedom. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And my, I, this is like, this is how you know I went to law school because like I had so <laughs> many thoughts on what you're saying that I'm yeah. like, okay, I need to organize this. Like, <laughs> a. So I'm going to say it's two parts knowing yourself, one part knowing your purpose. And what I mean by that is number one, I think it's important to ask yourself, what is it about me, my wiring, where I grew up, when I grew up, what, how my family culture is, how the, the area I grew up in, what that culture is like, and how does that influence my views of showing cracks in the facade, weakness, mm-hmm. times when I'm struggling, right? There's a line in Slow Growth that says, talking about how we twist ourselves up in knots for other people, we want to show ourselves as struggling, but never struggling too much. Yeah. And so I grew up in West Virginia. I grew up in Appalachia. My dad's a logger. You know, we, I grew up in this like work ethic, stiff upper lip. Mm-hmm. We can get through this. We'll deal with this as it comes kind of mentality where weakness was not really an option. Yeah. And I'm also, I'm, I used to think I was an Enneagram three, but I now realize I'm a, an Enneagram four with a strong three wing. And so those two personalities are perpetually embattled because my four is like, let's feel all the emotions and cry the tears and bittersweet and listen to the music and talk about the beauty of death on the other side or whatever. And then my three is like, lock it down. (laughs) We have stuff to do. And so I I gave a talk at my alma mater recently and I cried during the talk. And afterwards I said, my four is so proud of me and my three is not speaking to me. Mm -hmm. So there, it can be our things in like our Enneagram that wire do we, are we comfortable showing weakness? So know yourself, number one, know yourself. Number two is, you know, just thinking through like, what are you afraid it gives away about you? Right? Like what, like, what is this, you know, what is this thing about your identity that you think is, uh, why do you always have to be the person who comes through? Why do you always have to be the person who has it together? Do you feel like what you were saying, people won't love you if you Mm -hmm. aren't always the girl who comes through. And there's a whole entry in this book called the girl who always comes through. And then I think about purpose. Purpose is this idea of we will often never get started on using our gifts and our story to serve others because we will be held captive by the six people or the 10 people or the 20 people or however, whatever percentage it is who will have something to say about it Mm -hmm. versus the thousands or hundreds, hundreds of thousands or one that could be helped by it. And I think that's a survival instinct. I think our brains are like, no, no, we're safe over here. Let's not deal with that. And to step into purpose, we are going to have to stop saying, what if something bad happens to me? What if if somebody criticizes me? What if I get found out as not having it all together? And we have to start asking, yeah, but who could it help? Mm -hmm. So it's going to be messy. Writing books is going to be messy. There are going to be people who come out of the woodwork you haven't heard from in 20 years who are going to have an opinion about it, especially if you're telling your story. 
Yeah. But for every one person who has an issue, it's a, it's we know this. It's like a ratio of one to a hundred, one to a thousand, or whatever it is, um, of people who will have their lives changed. So I think that's that's the big question at the end is who does it help? Yeah, that's so good. I could just chit chat forever. I want to ask. I want to make sure I ask some of the questions. One of the questions we have time for one more question um, that I had prepared, and you speak in your book about desiring so desperately to be seen that we actually miss out on seeing anyone else. And as an Enneagram four, I have some very close Enneagram fours in my life, and I love mm-hmm. them, and I love their emotion and willingness to even. To, to show and display that emotion. Mm-hmm. But I believe that our lack of seeing people and, and desiring to be seen comes from a lack of listening or, or produces, I guess, a lack of listening, a lack of empathy, a lack of love. Mm-hmm. And I would love to hear your thoughts on how the audience, how I can grow in this ability to care less about being seen and care more about seeing others. Yes. So just to balance out all of my long, longer answers before, I'm going to give the short answer first, then I'm going to give the long answer. Okay. The short answer is every single time for the next week that you feel pain because someone else has not seen you, turn around and see somebody else. Just mm-hmm. just use it as your like spark, your, your trigger. Like, oh, I'm feeling left out. I'm feeling not seen. I'm feeling like I'm not enough. I'm feeling like I'm not at that table yet. I'm feeling like they don't see me yet. I'm not invited in yet. I'm not part of that cool crowd yet. Uh, if I if I truly held myself to that for the next week, I would turn around and see probably 4,000 people. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because it's just yeah. like a perpetual feeling that it, that's essentially comparison, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I am not where they are. They are not including me. I, I, I don't fit in with them yet. So that's the short answer. And the, long, the longer answer is in the book when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about a dream I had. So it's important to understand that for 15 years, I built a photography business before I started, you know, I signed my book deal in 2019 and my first book came out in 2020. And uh, for 15 years, I was a photographer and a speaker in my industry. And I started from the very beginning bottom, you know, with my husband and we built it all the way up to where we were um, speaking on every big stage. And there wasn't a person in our industry we couldn't have reached out to. And so to have that experience brand new, to the top of my industry, to immediately dropping back down to brand new again Mm -hmm. and being able to do that all over again in the author world. I've been able to walk into that with the knowledge of like, listen, sometimes when you see people hanging out and they're not inviting you yet, it's just that they have history together. You add in the variable of time, give it time, give it slow growth, equal strong rates. But sometimes it's just a reflection of leadership. And so the dream was I was chasing this author I look up to and I just wanted to like place my book in her hands. If I could just get my book in her hands and she would read it, then she would see it was valuable. And then I could, you know, she could see me and tap me on the forehead, tap me on the shoulder, tap me in that photo to tag me and I would have arrived. And I was pushing my way through a crowd to get to her. And I said, I I wanted to finally feel safe to rest. And instead I woke up exhausted from chasing people. And the aha moment was in once in that dream, did I ever think to turn around and see any of those people in the crowd I was pushing past to see them in the face. And I think the second we can realize, I mean, just do this experiment. You do it, Lindsay. I'll do it. Everybody listening, do it. Go look at somebody you follow on Instagram that you would give anything for them to see you, for them to be like, Hey, I checked out your stuff. It was really good. Watch, you know, somebody just never responds to your comments or whatever the case is, Mm -hmm. then watch who they comment on. There's somebody that they're commenting on who does not know they exist. That person in turn is following somebody else. I mean, you can follow this all the way up to Oprah. 
you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's always somebody that you're chasing and somebody else is chasing you. And the big thing I really want to drive home here, this huge aha moment I had in the book in another entry called These Illusions in the Distance, I talk about chasing a thousand supposed to be perfect versions of me up on these gilded mountaintop moments, glowing, you know, hair floating, but never landing. They turn to smile at me for just a second, look me in the eyes that are a mirror reflection of their own, smile a superior smile, and then go on without me. And it breaks my heart that I've been left by my own self. But then I realized all my life, they've been leaving me as I'm chasing them, but I've been leaving little Mary, this girl in the trailer that I didn't think was enough of something I had to leave her behind. So we're doing it to ourselves as well. Wow. Wow. So good. I am, I've already committed like two hours of my day to just sit here and read your book (laughs) (laughs) because I just got it in the mail (laughs) and I really will. I'm going to sit and just read. This is so, it's just so impactful. And I, I think there are many people listening who may not necessarily have a big business or may not have even like some people who just want permission to live a um, regular life, you know, not one that is seen by the world, not one that is spent achieving, but just a quote unquote, what the world would call a mediocre life, but Mm which also equals a joyful, peaceful, present life. And so just for anyone listening, I just want to give you that freedom. But also, as you were saying, Mary, you know, you you get to that point like in, within your dream where you reach that and you realize you're still exhausted. And I, I just think that that is what idols do to us. That is what yeah. placing our success above God or even our marriage, you know, if we feel like we can't ever reach that point that we're so desperately longing for or our motherhood, when we have this idol that we feel like once we get there, I will be satisfied. If there's anything in the world that we think is going to do that, that is where our brokenness essentially lies because those things will never get us there. And even I'm seeing this in the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial right now where Mm. you see they have everything. They have 15 homes or something and all of this money and, and they just still have that brokenness and they can have all the earthly things in the world, but that does not bring fulfillment or satisfaction or joy or health. And and, and this achievement, the success-minded, this being seen and known by the world, whether through social or just as a whole, it I believe in so much in just constantly stepping back, and I'm preaching to my own heart here, but in constantly stepping back and taking that time to shut down the, the calls of the world, the demands of the world and society, and yeah. having the ability to say, God, I just want you. Like, I don't want any of this. I don't want to keep striving and seeking and pushing that it's okay to just rest in you. And as Mm -hmm. you said in your dream, you know, you come out more exhausted than you went in, even if you had already gotten that accolade, even if you had gotten the, the acknowledgement that you wanted, it's just the next step. Like, okay, what's next? What am Mm -hmm. I going to seek next? Um, and, and God has that. He says to rest in him. He Mm -hmm. will give rest for your soul if you are weary or burdened. So I just, I just love, I love what you're doing. I love Mm -hmm. your message and your story. Um, and I just want to thank you so much, Mary, for being a part and for writing this book and for all of our listeners go and check out slow growth equals strong roots. 
by Mary Morantz. And Mary, if you could tell our audience where they can find you and where they can find your book, I would love that. Yeah, definitely. Um, the easiest place is to go to marymorantz.com and then you'll be able to link over there to Slow Growth is the new book and Dirt is the first book. And also, I also have a podcast called The Mary Morantz Show, which I super need to get you on now. I would love um, that. And also, by the way, my neighbors just decided to start mowing their lawn. So that's super. Oh, I awesome. can't hear anything. <laughs> okay, good, good. Don't worry. I'm like, this is real life, real life right now. Yes. Um, yes. And so, yeah, you can check that out, marymarines.com. Uh, marymarines.com slash slow growth is a great place to go. We put together a quiz for the book. So we go through five different types of achievers that people can fall into. This woman always performing. There's the performer who does this for how she feels about herself and how other people you know, see how far I've come. The tightrope walker wants big goals, but could care less who's clapping. The mm. contortionist twists herself up into knots, not because of she wants the goals, but she wants to make other people happy. The masquerader is so afraid of failing and disappointing people, herself and other people. She stays stuck and hidden in plain sight. And the illusionist in the distance doesn't start until it's perfect. And so you can go to achieverquiz.com and check that out. And it will give you, it's like a minute to take and it'll tell you your results and uh, more about your type. And then um, at Mary Marantz on Instagram. Love that. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Mary. Um, for anyone listening, if you enjoyed this conversation as always, it means so much if you share with one friend or family member so that they're able to hear you know, God's word and also encouragement and just living a life where they are taking action to make change. As I always say, nothing changes if nothing changes. And we're called to an actionable faith, one that is intentional, one that is maturing and and more and more wise every day because of God's word that pours into us, but also because of the resources um, like Mary's books that are able to really just challenge and grow us into more and more uh, like Jesus and to make us more sanctified and purified in his image. So thank you, Mary. Thank you for being here. Um, if y'all enjoyed the conversation, take a screenshot, share it on social media. And if you haven't had a chance yet to rate and review the podcast, please do. Also make sure to check out Mary's new books, um, her dirt and this book, and really just dig into what that means for you and how this can change and impact your own life. So we love you guys and we'll talk to you next Monday. Bye.